it was just pain, dude. Like you're motivated by pain. Mm -hmm. And when you're motivated by pain, you don't really think about all the intricacies. You don't think about the details. You just think about how do I get to that end goal, right? So what spurred it all for me was just that pain principle from the get-go. And it's like, okay, I have this goal. And I'm very, you know, I'm in a very vulnerable place. I feel helpless as a child. I just got to make this happen. So I started reading men's health and whatever the case may be. And I reached that goal. And that taught me that, you know, from that very early age, that if, if you want something, you know, sometimes you're going to be motivated more so by pain than you are by pleasure. Hey, what's up, man? Good to see you. Good to see you again. Good to see you again. It's a good thing we got everything rolling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So had fun uh, being on your podcast about a month ago. We spoke about a lot of fun things. We have a lot in common, husbands, fathers, yeah. uh, podcasters for men. Um, so there's a bunch of things I want to speak to you about. Uh, riffing off of what we spoke about last time. Also, one of the big subjects you cover on your podcast that I don't. Um, but first, tell us about your background because I actually don't know your story. How did you get into this? Well, I mean, when it comes to the podcasting side of things, like legit, I was, because I've been into like the male enhancement side of things, right? I've been trying to figure that out. I mean, I started this journey probably about 12 years ago. Um, before that, you know, it's always been about physical health, men's health. Like I've always been really drawn to that. And, um, I, you know, I stumbled across male enhancement just because I'm like, what? This is true. Like, this isn't bullshit. So I started to like go down that rabbit hole. And I was like, I just want to find a podcast that talks about this, right? And that's kind of what led me to start the podcast. I was talking about more about like, you know, men's health, sexual health, male enhancement, all those things kind of tied in, right? And then the more I started to dig into it, the more I started to like find that, you know, there is like legit truth to it. And there's more and more people that are like starting to open, op open up to it, right? And a lot of like different urologists are now like coming on talking to me, you know, like there's just so many different modalities and so many different things that we don't necessarily think about sometimes when it comes to like male enhancement, sexual health, erectile difficulties. And then it's kind of interesting because the more you start to dig into it, the more you see how many other things kind of are relevant in regards to, you know, sexual health and how many things are affecting you in ways that you don't expect, right? It's kind of like, oh, I'm drinking from a plastic can, right? It should be completely fine, right? Until you realize you're like, wait a minute, <laughs> some of these things might disrupt my hormonal levels, right? And you talk about BPAs, BPCs, uh, PUFAs, all these different things that are affecting um, young men, particularly. Like there was another study that I found recently about how the amount of microplastics that we find in babies now is due to the fact that they've been contaminated via the umbilical cord, via the mom, because of all the toxins that are in our our environment, right? So yeah. it's interesting because, you know, it started with one thing where I'm just like, I want to optimize myself to like, holy shit, we are living in pollution. <laughs> we are living in a very toxic environment. And more than anything, it's like, what can I do to make sure that my two kids can live in a place that's better or at the very least make it better for them in the environment that they're growing up in? Right. So, you know, I as a father also see it as like, OK, what can I do to make it better for them? And then more than anything, just kind of sharing this knowledge, because the more I think about death, man, the more I realize I'm like, what good is it to just hoard all the knowledge for yourself? You know, I want to share that, have conversations, just keep learning, man, because I'm. I, you know, the older I get, the more I realize, man, I, I sure am kind of dumb when it comes to a lot of things, or I sure am ignorant, right? And mm -hmm. even though you may be well-versed in a subject, over time, you just start to realize, like, bro, I know nothing. Like, <laughs> it's like, there's so much more to learn. And that's kind of where I'm at with it right now. And that's the whole focus of the podcast is just for everybody to learn more about how to live a better life. And as men, like what that really means, you know, the masculine archetype, like what does that actually mean to be a good man? You know, what does it mean to actually live healthy? What does it mean to have your money right? Like all these different things play into us having the best lives as men. So it started more with like the male enhancement, you know, erectile difficulty side of things. And now it's just kind of overall like encompassing every aspect of manhood, right? So and that's kind of yeah. why I called it masculine health solutions, because I'm like, I'm looking for solutions. I'm not really looking for band-aids anymore, man. I'm like, yo, tell me the truth. You know, I'm not looking for, let's treat disease. I'm like, no, like, how do we actually heal disease? How do we actually fix things, right? So that's the whole approach and that's the whole purpose of, you know, why I made the podcast and why it's where it's at today. It kind of evolved, you know, so, and that just came from trying to explore these different subjects, man. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, when I found out about the plastics thing and how, like, me consuming microplastics affects my sperm, which will yeah. maybe affect how my son develops in utero. Like 
I went on this like rampage. I threw out my wife's favorite thermos. Like, she's still mad about that. I threw out all the plastic in our house. Like I kind of went nuts for a little bit. Um, but it's interesting because uh, you entered kind of holistic personal development through male enhancement. For anyone who doesn't know, we're talking about penis enlargement. Yeah. Right. I'll, I'll be perfectly honest, right? Because you know, I have a lot in common. There's a lot of things we want to talk about. I wasn't sure if I wanted to talk about it because I don't, I don't talk about sex directly. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's kind of easy to make fun of the subject 100%. or like, you know, yeah. you know, <laughs> but then honestly, I was thinking about it, right? Cause I want to talk to you no matter what. And I was thinking like, it's actually tied to maybe the most universal male insecurity, unless you were like born naturally endowed. And I was actually thinking about this more because I, I don't know if I mentioned to you last time we spoke, but I'm putting out a book. It's a story of my my journey from being very insecure to yeah. you know getting my mojo, let's so to speak. <laughs> and I, I have this awesome literary agent. Her name is Jen. Shout out to Jen in case you listen. But she's a woman, right? So she's going through my book, and I didn't realize it. But there's a lot of things when it comes to male insecurities that she just didn't understand. Like women don't understand. Like men understand it when they read about like, oh yeah, I'm, I was insecure. I didn't get dates. You know, insecure about my size. Whatever the thing is. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I thought about it deeper. It's like, this is actually tied to maybe the, one of the most universal male insecurities It's a lot deeper than that in our culture. When guys talk about sex, it's usually in like a, a bro not vulnerable way, which yeah. is why it's easy to make fun of it or be like, Oh, you're talking about making your dick bigger. Haha. <laughs> but it's actually tied to something deeper. So I, I was wondering if you could share a little bit about what made it like actually this important pain. to devote time into pain. It pain right off the hop like people like and and i know you're well versed like when it comes to psychology and obviously like you know understanding human nature the two things that motivate us whether male or female it's pain or pleasure simple like for me when i was a kid like and i think that's where it all started off was like where i developed this mindset like when i was a kid you know i was obviously getting well i was getting my ass kicked all the time like every day you know and suffering from that trauma so immediately as a child you know i recognized like if I want to, you know, stop this from happening, you know, stop this abuse, what do I got to do? Right. So I linked up, yo, if you get big and strong, you know, nobody's going to fuck with you. Right. So I was probably around like five or six when I wrote it down on a piece of paper. I don't know about manifestation or anything. And I'm just like, okay, six foot, 220. That's the goal. Right. By the time I was like 15, I hit that, you know, and I was like, it wasn't something that was, you know, like it wasn't like a goal. Like, oh, I want to be, big and muscular for aesthetic purposes or anything. It was just pain, dude. Like you're motivated by pain. Mm -hmm. And when you're motivated by pain, you don't really think about all the intricacies. You don't think about the details. You just think about how do I get to that end goal, right? So what spurred it all for me was just that pain principle from the get-go. And it's like, okay, I have this goal. And I'm very, you know, I'm in a very vulnerable place. I feel helpless as a child. I just got to make this happen. So I started reading men's health and whatever the case may be. And I reached that goal. And that taught me that, you know, from that very early age, that if if you want something, you know, sometimes, you know, regardless of whatever the goal is, you're going to be motivated more so by pain than you are by pleasure. Because if I was mm-hmm. to work really hard to, you know, get tons of money, that really didn't motivate me as much as the pain of like feeling those negative emotions inside of me as a child, you know, feeling helpless, yeah. feeling vulnerable, feeling all that, right? Anyways, fast yeah, forward. And I, and I, I do, I do want to say, like, I think both, mo- I'd say, I'll say women, most women, and any guy who didn't experience something like that. Again, it's very easy to make fun of the meathead or someone yeah. who's like really interested in building his body. Why do you care so much? Why are you watching <laughs> UFC? Why do you watch like guys running into each other at full speed on Sundays? Like, but there's something so primal and ultimately vulnerable, even though men mm-hmm. don't talk about it about like what's really underneath. It's like, there is nothing more shattering to be physically dominant. Or maybe there's a, there's a couple of things which maybe you're about to get to, but like yeah, there's yeah, very, yeah. You know, these <laughs> kinds of things that like seems like they're all about, oh, ego, men just want to be t- like, you know, seem badass. There's a reason for it. And it's actually, it comes back to like our inner child. A hundred percent. And that's, bro, man. And it's kind of, oh, we'll get into that later too, I guess. But the thing is, so going back to that same principle, right? Where you feel kind of, not worthless because I was older at the time, you know, and I, my wife kind of made like an offhanded comment. I'm just like, really? Okay. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to fix this because I'm like, if this is an issue, I'm going to see if I can like, you know, work on this. And so later on, you know, I came from that same place of like pain uh, and it motivated me, it spurred me down this journey like 14 years ago where I started like, I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to buy 
you know, I spend way too much money on these pills that I got scammed on, right? Because the pills don't work. Like all it really has is like L-citrulline, yeah. and maybe some other stuff that you just kind of take that. And, and just so people can follow, we're kind of speaking in euphemisms. She made a comment about your size in some oh, way. Oh yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Mm-hmm. And even though it was just kind of like as a joke, kind of, I, I took it personally, right? I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. well, you know, fuck this. <laughs> you know, I'm gonna try to, I'm gonna find a way to fix this, right? So I, I bought the extender and I looked into it, and apparently there was research behind it. And the research came with the pills, or not the research came with the pills, the extender came with the pills, right? Pills didn't do anything. You know, I wasted 500 bucks or 600 bucks, man. I wasted way too much money on it. The extender was absolute garbage, right? It was also really shitty, but it opened basically the door to the fact that there was some truth behind it. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to explore more of the truth behind like the manual stretching. You know, what is jelking? Uh, and that's when I discovered this like JP's 90 day program and I stuck with it. And when I first started, I was pretty consistent, right? And I made gains in that regard. And then when I made the gains, I was like, yeah, you know, I'm killing it. You know, I, I felt you feel confident, you know, you feel more happy with who you are. And it's, it's, it's one of those things that just kind of, I think as men too, it's like the accomplishment factor of like the gratification of, I went out and I did something, but then I was also seeking the validation of my wife now, like, look at me, look how awesome I am. And to be like, to be a hundred percent like honest, she didn't really care. Like, yeah, and that's, <laughs> it's, it's kind of funny. A lot of the things that are kind of aimed at validation for women actually gets validation from men. Like, like most yeah. of the way most guys work out to impress men, not women. Like they could have oh. stopped at the gym a long time ago and women would have been like, I think you're attractive, but you keep getting, you cheap. like, what's the next thing I can lift to make my bros think I'm, I'm better basically. Dude, a hundred percent. And that's the same mindset that I had. And then it was funny because I made all these length gains, right? And I was like, yo, man, are you not impressed? Like, I felt like Maximus Aurelius in the Coliseum. <laughs> I'm like, bro, I'm greatness. And she like legit did not care. I gained half an inch in girth and she was like, do more of that. And that's when I discovered, I'm like, wait a minute. And obviously that led me more into understanding like the sexual side of things from a female perspective. It's like, hey, girth matters more than length, right? Where it's kind of, it's the first three inches of the inner wall of the vagina that are most receptive to everything. So I'm like, why am I focused? I'm like, what? Like this whole time I felt like I was lied to. But then I kind of went back to the fact like, wait a minute, you were doing this more for your own ego versus you weren't really doing it so much for her. It was more like the validation factor, right? And I think most men for the most part, and then going back to the whole bodybuilding side of things, like at the end of it, it just becomes a dick measuring contest, which is obviously <laughs> an analogy that we always use, Literally, but it's a hundred percent true. Mm-hmm. And like, even on some of these forums that I would frequent all the time to just kind of get my information, it just, it was the same deal. Like guys are just fighting over like, oh, well that doesn't count because of X, Y, Z, or I'm bigger than you, blah, blah, blah. And, and my information was more valid. I'm like, I, I'm not going to say it was toxic because there was a lot of great guys on there that would discuss their gains, how they went about it. But it almost did seem like it was just like a nonstop dick measuring contest like you see at the gym, you know, or in a bodybuilding competition. And when it comes to bodybuilding, too, and, you know, I I compete naturally, so we're we're not looking nowhere near as big as some of like the freaks you see at the Mr. Olympia. But when it comes to bodybuilding, like females aren't into that. You know, most women are into like, oh, wow, this guy's gargantuan. Like most chicks don't want Ronnie Coleman. You know, most chicks just don't. They're like, I don't want to do that's like 300 pounds muscle. Again, that just kind of goes back to the whole male side of things where we are driven by ego and we are driven by the extremes, too, which is something that Jordan Peterson talks about. Right. Like you'll see men at the far end of either side of the spectrum. Right. And women are kind of like in between it and more in the safe realm. But guys are just going to push it to the absolute limit or to the absolute worst. So it's one of those things that just kind of exists. And I think it's a concept that just pertains to men where you're right. Like like your editor, she might not understand, like, why would that make you feel insecure in that way? But I think it just has to do with the male paradigm, I guess, in our modern society. Yeah. I mean, it, it makes me think of, uh, in biology, there's a uh, Bateman's principle, which people quote as, uh, uh, sperm is cheap, eggs are expensive, which yeah. is why you there's see, one egg. <laughs> yeah, which is like all women are valuable in that regard because mm-hmm. every egg is like this scarce resource, but so in a sense, in the dating pool or a, tra- a mating game, however you want to put it, like all women have an inherent worth. Whereas if you're in the bottom 20% of men, you're getting nothing. Like the bottom 20% of any yeah. mammal does, uh, the males don't mate. And then top 20% or top 10% or like whatever the Tinder stats are these days, the top 2% <laughs> get almost everyone, right? Yeah. So it, it is true. I, I think that is why men are motivated by the extremes because you want to be in the top 2%. Even if it means you go so extreme that women don't like you anymore, you still want to do it. Right? It's exactly. just like in our, in our wiring. But you know what the thing is too, is that 
in that extreme that we may see as like, oh, you're not even attracting women or whatever, there's going to be some women that are going to be attracted to that. And you're still going to find a mate because you, you are an outlier and you stick out, right? And I think maybe that's why men will push themselves to that extreme. It's kind of like, you know, if you go from a multimillionaire to a multi-billionaire, you know, it, it's kind of like, it's almost that same frame of reference in that you don't really need it anymore. It's like the woman would have been happy at the millionaire status. It's, you know, you already got a certain amount of muscle on your body. It's like when you push it even further, though, it's like now you've impressed everybody. And now there's going to be the female that just kind of flock to you, right? Versus, you know, the guys that, you know, I don't want to say the incels, but the guys at the lower end of or the opposite side of the spectrum who just haven't gotten off the couch and they're living at mom's house, right? It's almost like I kind of feel like we're so scared or not scared, but it's like, you need to push yourself further all the time. But when you keep leveling up like that, it's like, does it really matter anymore? Like what's some, like a hundred million to a billion dollars? Like it, it doesn't really matter so much or what's, what's like the biggest bodybuilder yeah. to like a 300 pound body. Like it isn't really like, it's, it's not really relevant to the dating pool anymore. It's like, you already won dog. It's like that Kevin Hart yeah. joke where he's talking about the bodybuilder. It's like, why are you still here, man? You won, go home, you know? So yeah. I, I don't know if it's an attractiveness thing or it's just kind of something that we're wired to have. I think so. And I think, I think we talked about this on your show. It's like part of what's new about modern life is that we're exposed to everyone. Like if yeah. you were kind of muscly in a Paleolithic tribe, you're immediately <laughs> number one, right? Yeah. But now you're comparing yourself. Like, you know, Ronnie Coleman is somewhere in the world. Do you know, uh, what was it? Chris Bumstead is somewhere and you're going to feel, yeah. you're going to feel small just seeing his picture. <laughs> so you're never going to be good enough. And honestly, you know, I mean, women have this version too. And this was like the narrative in the nineties with like unattainable figures on the covers yeah. of magazines. But like, it's now true aesthetic. Like, purely on looks and like completely yeah. superficial things as true for men, maybe more true now. Yeah. And I mean, like I was looking into that when it comes to the social media side of things, like I was learning more about how it affects young women more than men. Cause when it comes to young women, like, I mean, when it comes to beauty, it does way more than it does for men. Like for men, if like my wife and I were talking about this too, it's like, if a dude is able to provide, you know, is a good guy, you know, for the most part, a lot of women will see that as a win, right? It's like, well, you know, his bank account is decent. He's a good dude. He can provide. He's there. Makes He's a laugh. good father. Yeah. Yeah. But the thing is, yeah, it's almost that survival factor. But for a young girl coming up, it's almost like if she's not beautiful. You know, she's already compared to all the other beautiful women on social media. And it's mm -hmm. like, okay, well, I'm going to invest in that BBL or whatever the case may be. And they start disfiguring their body. And it's interesting because... Obviously, it's affecting young men too, but I think when it comes to young women coming up, you know, the depression, the anxiety, like, I didn't even know that was a real thing, but I, I see what's going on, like, on TikTok, Instagram, and these young girls have to compare themselves to fully grown women that have invested, like, more than 50 grand into having the fake tits, the ass, all that, you know, the mm -hmm. stomach done, and they think it's all natural and attainable, but then they, you know, get into their teenage years, and they're like, oh, I'll never be beautiful, and that's actually yeah. a contributing factor into depression anxiety in young girls, and I'm like... You have a, a son and a daughter? Or no, I got two boys, two boys. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, I have a daughter, so I think, I think about this a lot as well. And I think part of it is not just the aesthetics, but Instagram only fans, obviously is the extreme. Mm. Women get so much valid, young women get so much validation for, from sexualizing themselves, not just looking good, but also putting it out there, flaunting it. They could even get paid for it. They could even make money for it. They're also now yeah. comparing themselves to all the porn stars in the world. But then I'm seeing this amongst like women closer to my age, realizing that that path gets you all this validation, but it doesn't make any man want to be with you. Like it'll give you all of these, you know, men will line up to sleep with you, but they're not going to want to date you. And that's kind of like the hard crashing truth that I think women who go down that road will eventually find out, which I think is one thing that men don't experience the same. No. Well, the thing is, and I mean, I've heard Andrew Tate and other people talk about this too, and that, you know, men are wired to be different and we're supposed to be out there on the hunt and all that. And I mean, to a degree, that's kind of true. But at the same time, like any woman that respects herself isn't going to want to be with some player because she's like, well, what's the point? You know, you're no good for me in a family relationship kind of or dynamic. Right. And I kind of think to myself, the older I get as well, because, you know, when you're a kid, you I remember in my twenties where it's all about, yo, man, you know, you got to be the player. You got to pick up all the chicks. And that also validates you with you and your homies, you know, you and your bros are just like, yeah, you know, he's the guy that gets the girls. 
But then you get older and you realize, man, that's all bullshit. Like it's such a load of shit, like all of it, right? And the older you get, you're just like, you know what? It's a lot better to just be a conservative man, have one woman, you know, not worry about all this bullshit they tell you about on social media, about like chasing all this glitzy, like that lifestyle that I see a lot of people uh, that try to portray this false narrative on social media. Like to me, and I know you're 35 as well. You look at it, you're just like, bro, like that does not impress me anymore. <laughs> you know, there was a time when I was a kid and the people you're marketing to that are in their, you know, 16, 15, they're probably impressed by that. Like, oh, he's got a Lamborghini. I'm like, that's fine. Does he have peace? Like, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, is he able to sleep with his head, you know, just completely relaxed at night and, you know, clear his mind of all the garbage and the stress? Or is he just thinking about the next superficial fancy thing you can get to impress the world? And that's where that external validation for me plays into whether you're going to be happy as a man or not. And that's the older I get, the more I'm just like, yo, man, the things that make me happy in life is like me sleeping in my bed and my kids roll up and my wife is there and we're telling jokes amongst each other. Like that, that's something I'm going to remember on my deathbed. That's going to make me happy. But taking a bunch of pictures on social media with me and my Lamborghini trying to impress people that I don't even know, like the older you get, the more you realize like it's, it's all false, right? And that yeah. doesn't even serve to be like a good husband either if you want you know, to, to, to have that in the future as, as a man as well. Cause the way I see it, like the only fans models and these glitzy Lamborghini, Andrew Tate kind of personas, they attract each other, right? Cause they're kind of built for each other. It's like, you guys both actually want that conservative, you know, lifestyle at the end of the day, like the male or the man, you know, being the husband, female, you know, the kids and the older you get, you start to realize that. But I think a lot of people like, think that right now that they're in their 20s or maybe even early 30s, which is kind of sad if you're at that point, <laughs> in my opinion, mm -hmm. you know, you still haven't figured it out. But it's almost like you will attract each other because the OnlyFans chick and the guy with the Lamborghini, it's like, what are they chasing? Material things. So they have something in common, right? They're all after the Louis Vuitton and whatever. But at the end of the day, are they happy? That's the question I ask myself. And yeah. I hope they can well, find happiness. But maybe they are, maybe they aren't. I think it's... um you know, like in economics, they call it a it's a tournament. Like a hundred people enter, only one person wins. Ninety nine people lose. And when I see like young people following the Andrew Tate model, which I think on some level it's it's normal. It's like men want to mm -hmm. get to the top one percent. It used to be be the top one percent of a hundred guys. Now it's you know three billion men you're competing yeah. with. So it's a little <laughs> different. But um, you know, most people who pursue the you know the Andrew Tate model are not going to get there. They're, they won't. No. And if they stick with it too long, they're going to get a sucker's payoff. And, yeah. and the thing is like, it's easy to put a late to label the value of the, the Lamborghini or the Louis Vuitton bag or X number of women, but it's kind of hard. Like the moment you're describing with your kids rolling up, it's kind of hard to be like, look at how awesome this is and capture yeah. it and show it to the world because it's an accessible feeling. That's amazing. But it's kind of like with feminism, like, Feminism really downplayed the value of motherhood because it's not yeah. like it's not so called special to be a mother in a consumerist world because like there's only a few female CEOs where every woman could be a mother. But I would argue for most almost all women, it's way more fulfilling. Like, it, like so. nature gave us like the, the exact playbook to achieve fulfillment and it's not that hard. You don't have to be the one percent person necessarily. No. Yeah. And the thing is. I, I mean, for me, this gets into the conspiratorial side of things where I do believe that they're trying to ruin the old school nuclear family. And they keep trying to, like, you know, blur the lines as to what reality should be or or how humans should interact and that we should basically fall or like do away with those old school models because they're archaic and they don't work and they're dumb. You know, you want this new age, blah, 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 whatever it is that they're selling young kids these days. But to me, I don't, I don't think it's that complicated. Like the simplicity of the fact that if you are a father and you're there to play with your kids, you know, you're there to provide and you're happy. It's like at the end of the day, you will have a more fulfilling life than a guy that has all the money in the world, but you know, is lonely at the end of the day. Like I couldn't imagine, like for me, I wouldn't view it as a curse per se, but if I was rich and I didn't have my family, then, you know, I'd, I'd be kind of sad when I think about it. Right. Cause I'm like, I would rather have the time that I have with my family in this lifetime and just cherish that. Right. And I get it. Like there's a lot of men that are single and, you know, they've been successful and that's fine. Right. But for me, the way I kind of see it is that that old traditional role, like there's nothing wrong with it. In fact, it's something beautiful that I think every man should experience in this life. You know, if you can be a father, 
I, I think you should go for it. You know, father, husband, it's an old school, it's an old school role, I guess. And it's something that we don't celebrate as often as we should, but there's nothing more gratifying for a man in this lifetime, man, is to provide and take care of these people. Like it's your job to be the protector or provider. And I think those are the pillars of masculinity that sometimes get overlooked. I do believe in progress though, right? It's kind of like, those are my three pillars that I go to is like provide, you know, protect and progress. It's your job to obviously provide as a man, make sure everybody's taken care of, right? Protect. I mean, if you can't fight and your family's like, yo, you got to do something, like grow a set of balls. <laughs> so that's where I think that like physical development side of things, like I saw your, your post too on like why every man should fight too. And it's kind of like that primal expression should be there because if not, I think a lot of men will internalize that and it'll turn into something negative. So I'm like, yo, find some outlet that you can have where you can develop yourself physically. You know, I think it's a it's a must. I got two boys. I got to take them outside and run around like dogs because if not, you know, that pent up masculine energy needs to be let go into the world. <laughs> right. And the other one is progress. Like, what are you doing to progress as a man every single day for the rest of your life? You should have something that you're working on. I think that's a thing that might be missing amongst a lot of guys that they don't really have that purpose either. And they don't really know what they should be working on. I think the first place you should work on as a man is obviously your mindset, but you should also start with like the sim simplest things that are out there as well. Like just go to the gym, like develop yourself physically in some regard and you'll find how gratifying, how that like everything that you can take away from like, let's say you take a Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, you learn the concepts, you learn how difficult it is. You conquer that. Now you can take those concepts of what you learned that helped you to figure out, you know, how to basically get to, I don't know, brown belt, black belt, whatever the case may be, and just keep leveling up. And then you're like, oh, wait a minute, I could take this into business, right? I developed my business and now it's like, I got that mentality that I can take from what I learned in martial arts and take that and apply it to any other aspect of my life. And I think that as men, as, as young men, more than anything, it's like, you know, forget all that lavish garbage. Do something challenging. Challenge yourself at, I don't know, from 18 to 25. Like, create a rite of passage for yourself and roll with that. And then just take those concepts into the real world. Discover who you are and then start working on yourself as a man and progress from there, right? Yeah. And something I've, I've thought about a lot is that all of this personal development stuff, like across the whole spectrum, it's really trying to get not even just men, like get people to become adults. It's like, if you look at, it doesn't matter. Like you could look at the spiritual side of things or more psychological or scientific. It's like, it's all kind of drive, drive us to be complete or, you know, make up for your childhood, childhood wounds, whatever stuff mm -hmm. or inadequacies. And I, I've been thinking about this a lot for myself. It's like, where do I still act like a boy? Or where do I still think like a boy? And like going back to something you said earlier, it's like at our age of 35, biologically, we'd be grandparents. And we'd yeah. probably be dead in a couple of years, right? Like th this is, we've already kind of overplayed our childhood experience, which is not to obviously, I, I believe in personal development, I think is important, but mm -hmm. to your point, like culture is kind of keeps us as kids longer, which is why I think a lot of people aren't having children anymore. Cause they still see, I, I know a lot of my friends who are my age and they're not sure if they want it or they don't want, it's like, they still see themselves as kids which is why it seems like a crazy idea to make a person because they still feel like a child. And honestly, even as a father, I still realize like, oh, I still think like a, a boy in this way and this way. Damn. And these are the, place, the places I need to work on. A hundred percent, man. But to your point, it, it's, I do feel that so many people like in our, our age group from like 35 to 40, like it's kind of weird, man. Like there's one dude that I, I'm thinking about in particular when you when he said that about how like you know he hasn't really grown up and like I don't want to judge the guy but he talks about how he he would hate having kids you know he doesn't want kids at all and he takes like his Transformers lunchbox to work right and I remember I saw it I'm like the, like what's up with that right like I just I thought it was kind of odd and then he told me it's like I'm going to Disney World and I'm like oh that's cool I'm like you taking your kids there because at the time I didn't know he had kids right and he's like no I'm just going there with my partner and I'm like. The fuck like why would you want to go there for fun you know like as a, as i'm like yo man like grown adult you're just gonna go there i'm like all right cool like and again it's one of those things that i'm like i'm trying not to judge but at the same time immediately when this man told me that you know and he's kind of immature too the first thing that comes to my mind is just like yo you're like an overgrown man child you know it's like you, you have outbursts every now and again you're basically a child like 
and it's weird to say, but so much of our society and, and a lot of people that we do see it, like from 30 to 45, I think just haven't grown up, man. And I think that that rite of passage is missing for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. However, I think the one blessing that I had in my life is that I had my first son at 22, right? That made me grow up a lot faster. And sometimes I ask myself that all the time, like, if I hadn't had my kid, would I be just like this man? You know, would I have actually grown up or would my focal point like in life and and who I am as a man, would I even have developed that if I hadn't had my first son? Because I think like I had my kid at 22, right? I I feel like it forces you to grow up. And to Mm -hmm. your point, the old school man, you know, he was having his kids around 20 because he was going to die in a couple of years. He's like, somebody's (laughs) got to mind the fields, bro. (laughs) You know, Uh I got to have 10 of these guys. But I think that when you do have a child and you do have a family, it forces you to mature real quick. And for me, I kind of see it as my rite of passage, I guess, because it's like, bro, you had to figure things out on the fly. And it was difficult. Like, I'm not going to say it was easy. It was very hard, you know, <laughs> coming up. It, it forces you to mature. Like, I know my brain wasn't even done developing until, like, you turn 25. So it forces you to grow up real quick. And I feel that because a lot of people aren't having kids, it's almost like that maturation that you should take place for you know the older generations from like the 70s 80s like it just doesn't exist so much now because people are just like you know what i don't have that responsibility in my life and i'm just gonna get a dog instead which is fine if you do want to get a dog but it's like i don't necessarily have to worry about anybody you know like i don't have to sacrifice all that much which means that i can live a comfortable life and i can just kind of keep going you know, on with my life playing Call of Duty, maybe I have a girlfriend and I can just relax and take it easy. But when you have a kid, man, it makes you basically like you have to reconfigure every aspect of your life again. Cause it's like, it's not about you anymore, right? It's, you got other people that depend on you and going back to the whole like yeah. providing part of it. If your job is to provide, well, you better, you know, pull up your pants real quick and figure stuff out. You know, give your nuts a tug and get going because <laughs> there's not a lot of time for you to just like, oh, you know, I'm just going to meander around as I figure this out. It's like, no, you have to, you know, grow up quick and, and start to figure things out because now there's people relying on you. Yeah, I and felt that's uh, it's important. I felt like kind of on a spiritual uh, lens, in a spiritual lens, like having a kid connected me to nature. And before I was kind of just floating around because yeah. without like that kind of connection, like, so we don't have the tribe, we don't have a lot of things that, that we've evolved to have. If you're not having children and you're in the consumerist culture where everything's about how much money can you get to buy stuff that would entertain you, it, it keeps you trapped. And like, that's the way you think when you're a little kid where you don't have responsibilities and everything is about how much entertainment can I consume? And I mean, I, I'm trying not to be judgmental too, because I, a lot of my friends are just like what you described. It's yeah. like, if you're, if you already kind of figured out your career, you're paying your bills and you don't have anyone to provide for, what do you do other than find new weird things to consume? Yeah. <laughs> like whether it's going to a theme park as a grown person or, 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 or it's hard for me to say this without being judgmental, <laughs> but like my friends who are foodies and they just want to try every restaurant and try every yeah. weird, uh, you know, weird thing. It's like, you're only doing that because you have nothing to do with your, your time and energy. Right. Yeah. Tr- truthfully. And then when you have a kid, it's like, well, this is a harder thing. And I also understand though, to, to try to re- reduce my judgment, it's like the world is set up where it kind of punishes you. Like it must've been really hard. I don't know what your income was like at 22, but it must've been really hard providing so, for a child. <laughs> yeah. It just, it makes sense on your balance sheet. It makes sense. Don't have a kid now if I can help it because yeah. I'll have more money in the bank and then I could buy more stuff. Like everything is stacked against being in line with nature. A hundred percent. And it's kind of interesting too that you mentioned the nature side of things immediately. Like as soon as uh, you said that, I was like, yeah, it's weird too. Cause all of a sudden it's like, I understand why people want to go to the suburbs at that age, you know, in my early twenties, I'm like, Oh no, I want to be downtown. I want to be in the heat of things, you know, like where things are happening. And then you get older and you're just like, no, I'd rather be out like the bush, man. Like <laughs> rather be far away from people, just me and my little tribe over here, you know, and enjoy as much of nature as I possibly can. But I do feel that the society that we live in right now, it's almost like it's catering to the fact that a lot of people like I, I learned about the dink, you know, recently about the dual income, no kids. Okay. Right? And I'm like, yeah, no, for me, I was just like, yeah, first time I heard that acronym, I'm like, is this like a male enhancement <laughs> thing? Like, what's going on? Like a dink? Is <laughs> this things people are striving to be? Like yeah. Well, it's one of these things, like, I forgot which uh, I was reading about it recently, but it's like a lot of 
young couples have just decided that we're going to be quote unquote dinks, dinks. right? <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, even the name sounds horrible. I'm like, get a better acronym, but, but the dual income, no kids, it's basically what a lot of people are striving. Cause what they do is they will, they will look at their balance sheet and they'll say, okay, um, you know, I make a hundred K she makes 90 K a year. So together we make 190, we get a mortgage on a big house or whatever, but we understand that we're not going to have kids. So we'll get a dog. And then, you know, every, everything kind of works around the fact that they are not going to have kids. And obviously if they do that, yeah, you'll have a lot more money. But the thing is that I kind of always go back to is that, you know, after you have your kids, it's almost like your whole perspective changes. And, and for me, there's nothing better in this life than, you know, my children, you know, like mm -hmm. I, I love, I love every, you know, I love having my kids and, and, you know, doing everything with them, doing everything for, well, not everything for them, but, you know, you do dedicate a lot of your life to, basically providing as much information, time, energy, everything. Like you invest so much into them. But at the end of the day, like when I die and I think about death a lot, I don't know why, like as of late. And I think there's just something magical about having children in your life. Like it almost teaches you like a new layer of love too. Because mm -hmm. I do feel like that's something that might be missing in this culture of like, you know, the dual income, no kids and people that just don't have children. It's like they, I don't want to say like they're robbing themselves of the experience, but when you do have children, you will experience love that you can't describe for anybody or, or that you just can't. It's almost like you have to feel it in order to know what that experience is really about. Yeah. And I think and that, it's not monetizable. Know, it's not Yeah, like you can't love a dog the same way you love a child. Like, I'm sorry. Like if, if my dog's crossing the road and he's about to get hit, I'm, I'd probably be like, oh, no, dead. <laughs> <laughs> Which is awful, but you know, if it was my kid, you know, you best believe like I'm running out there. I'm like, all right, Lord, take the wheel. Like I'm about to die, but it's all good. It's just, it's a different layer of love that I, I don't think we can really fully comprehend. And I think when you do experience that love, it also almost, because it changes your perspective so much, it almost helps you understand, like, I, I think God a lot better because oftentimes you hear about in the Bible, like, you know, God, the father, our creator <clears throat> and the love that he has for us. And that's kind of where it makes me think like when you experience that level, you almost start to understand more of the metaphysical side of things because you're like, OK, they say that God is love and, you know, I love my child this much, but he loves me a million times more than that. Like, what does that even mean? Like, how does that concept like I can't even comprehend it, comprehend that fully from my my human brain. Right. But it just changes your perspective in life so much. And mm -hmm. I, I don't know, it's one of those invaluable things that I think no matter what, you know, I'm always going to be eternally grateful for that. And I'm, I just wish more people could experience that without, you know, doing away with all like the hedonistic kind of things that they portray as like the apex of what life should be about. And yeah, I don't know, man. I, it makes me I do want to throw in a caveat, although I, I'm sure and any dinks listening have probably tuned out by this point in the episode, which is fine. <laughs> I, I do, I do also think if anybody doesn't want to have children, they shouldn't. Mm -hmm. because anyone who doesn't want to have children is probably not going to be the best parent. <laughs> so, no, 100%, you know, because yeah. it, you know, you have to really want it given all of that stuff. We hit on something that, that it reminded me of something actually you said earlier too, about intangibles and masculinity. Cause when you're, you're mm -hmm. saying that thing about, you know, God take the wheel, like you would basically sacrifice yourself for your, your kids. If you had to, yeah. or you wouldn't for your dog <laughs> brings up the, the thought of honor, you know, like, like honor was the crux of being a man for the longest ever since humans could socialize, right? Mm -hmm. like, it's like a man who is physically capable of running away from the barbarians will stay and lay down his life to make sure the women and children survive. And that's why the people continue to exist like that. It, it, and and uh, consumerism really punishes honor in many cases of, of like mm -hmm. sacrificing things, making your balance sheet suffer for the sake of something intangible, which is a shame. But I also understand when people make that decision, it's like, oh, yeah, I understand why you want another 100K in the bank rather yeah. than have kids this year, you know, something like that. No, I'm, I'm, the thing is like when, and don't get it twisted either, if, if you're a dink and you're still listening, like I don't judge. I think it's a very intelligent move. You know, I, I just, I'm at the point too, it's, it's, it's almost just when you accept your life for what it is and you say, hey, you know what, this is beautiful and this is something that I'm very fortunate about to actually experience in this life. Like I just wish other people could almost enjoy that, I guess, in a weird way. 
And if you obviously go about it where it's like, you know, you from a very logical perspective, it makes more sense. Like it does. You're going to save, I think, if I'm not mistaken, I think like every child will cost you about like $750,000 or something per year. Somebody drew up the numbers and, you know, I kind of laughed. I'm like, well, we're not, not, not wrong. per year. Uh, like uh, over, or no, over not 18 per year, years, I guess right? like over a lifetime. Yeah. yeah. 18 years. So I'm like, they're not wrong in, in, in that. Yeah. It's very pricey. But then again, I'm like, I ask myself this all the time. Sometimes the most beautiful things in life are the most expensive. Right. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's worth the investment in my opinion. <laughs> And when it comes to like uh, sacrificing, I think that's when it comes to life and just, you know, being able to get the most out of it and the things that I think are probably the most enjoyable at the end of the day and most gratifying are the things that you actually fought for, sacrifice the most, right? So if you do like, let's change, you know, change gears a little bit here. Let's say you start a business, right? You dedicate all this time to this business. You dedicate all your energy to this business. And after three years of struggling, it finally takes off, man. Now it's flying. And now after like anywhere from five to 10 years, let's say now you're really in the quote unquote, like successful kind of range of things. You're killing it, right? Your business is out there. You're doing great. That's a lot more fulfilling, I think, than, you know, having like working somewhere where you don't really want to be, but you make a decent amount of money, you know, per year, let's say you're making like I don't know, anywhere from 80 to 150 K, right? So technically you're above the median in regards to like wage. And let's say you're, you're quote unquote successful monetarily, but when you built something from scratch, right? And, and you know, it's coming from like, you had nothing for those first three years. You were literally eating shit, sacrificing all your time, your energy, all that. And then after the fifth year, you finally break free. Then now you're quote unquote successful and people look at that. I think it's going to be a lot more gratifying for the guy that built something over the 10 years versus the guy that, you know, was just working as an accountant for 10 years. And again, I don't judge either. Right. But what I'm just trying to the point I'm trying to make here is that that gratification factor that we get as human beings, I think, especially for men, comes from creating and building things. And I think that's something inescapable. Right. And there's honor in that. And I think a lot of people, when they do see somebody work hard in that, like whether we like it or not, like as men, I think there's something subconsciously within us that just respects the guy that went out and built something. Cause I'm like, bro, this guy's got a gigantic set of balls, you know, especially mm-hmm. if, if, if you're taking that, like that's your life that you're basically gambling with, you know, how much time, if you had gone the conservative route, you know, you could have just made money, saved it you know, and invested it, you'd, you'd be good. But this guy decided to take everything and invest in himself. You know, I think that's massive. And I think there's, when it comes to honor, it's like, yo, as men, maybe that's like our new battlefield in this day and age where it's like, bro, this guy went out, you know, put it all on the line and he won. And something there's something mm-hmm. beautiful to be said about that. And as far as sacrifice kind of goes, man, like you're sacrificing absolutely everything to see if this thing's going to work. Like, I think it's beautiful. But I also believe that, you know, there's nothing wrong with going the conservative route either, you know, but yeah, those big risks are like the closest thing, like, you know, men of antiquity had to face death all the time. You know, it's like contemplating about your death was like, not really, uh, not really an option. Like I I was studying (laughs) samurai stuff uh, recently, all the samurai books from the samurai era, like the 1600s was all about, you have to think about your death because you might die. Like you're always carrying a sword on you. Like you, at any moment, you might end up in a sword fight and die. So you better think about it. Whereas, um, yeah, I mean, we're very, we're many degrees away ha- of, from having to have like a serious sacrifice. I'm just curious though, because I, I wasn't sure about the 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 figure of like 750k uh, for for a kid. So I was, I was actually looking up how much is a Bugatti because I had no idea. Oh, like the the, the, the low end is two million. So that's like. Jeez, a kid and a half. It's like, would you would you trade? Would you rather have a Bugatti or would you rather have a two kids? And uh, two kids, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, my wife is is gonna cap us at some point, but I would I would have eight kids if, uh, if the money and <laughs> <laughs> money and time and all that stuff uh, allowed for it. I mean, the Bugatti is cool, but if you got nobody to experience it with, really, like, what's it worth? Because the way I kind of see it, and I remember I heard somebody mention that it's like. When you have a Lamborghini, you're just basically renting the coolness of the Lamborghini as like a social credit kind of thing, right? People are going to mm-hmm. see you rolling up the street. They're like, oh, man, that guy's cool. He's got a Lamborghini. The moment you step out of it, it's just like, well, he's just a regular guy, you know, or, or now you got to, you know, floss your Rolex or something, right? 
and that's just a societal norm that we've created, I guess. And we said, hey, you know what? He drives a really cool car. Therefore, he must be cool. Or, you know, he's got tons of money. Therefore, all the girls want him. You know, and it's almost like that validation. Again, that kind of that that's that external validation from the things you own, not really from who you are as a person, right? Like, and there's nothing wrong with owning a Bugatti, Lamborghini, whatever. But at the same time, like, what's it worth to you? Like I told my wife this and my sons, mm-hmm. like we talk about this all the time, right? And and they're like, oh, you know, like Lamborghini, Bugatti, this, that, and the other. But I'm like, I'd rather have a car that's big enough for all of us to pile into comfortably, you know, than, than like a Lamborghini. Like, what are we going to do with Lamborghini? I can take one of you guys around, right? <laughs> so it's not really I mean, worth Yeah, it. they're specifically made for single people with the two seats. Yeah. Um, you know, so I actually want to go back to something because I uh, – You've been with your wife for a long time, yeah. I'd imagine. So before twenty-two, so yeah. it's been like fifteen plus years, yeah. <laughs> uh, Something like that, yeah. Yeah, I'm curious because, like, you know, when, when I think of male enhancement, and I, I haven't really gone down that road too much. I did, I did mess around with gel king in college, but never really stuck <laughs> with it. Like, I never that that wasn't really the crux of my insecurities or pain when it came to even yeah. sexuality. So I, I focus on other things, but. Um, I'm curious what motivated you through that, you know, basically being with one woman for 15 plus years. It's not what I imagine. I always imagine guys are going to like swingers parties who want to yeah. you know, have the 10 inch penis or something like that. <laughs> I'm just curious if, if you, if you don't mind sharing. No, man, more than anything, it was kind of like, it was a combination of like, I was seeking the validation of like, I made it, you know, kind of like, okay, you know, like, like I said, Maximus Aurelius, like, are you not entertained? I'm awesome. <laughs> So it's almost like that validation from her obviously weighed heavily on my mind. But the other thing, too, that I noticed, and that's in any aspect of my life, me personally, it's like whenever I start to become successful at something and I gain momentum, I just want to do more of it. Right. And mm-hmm. honestly, when I first saw like a little bit of gains, I'm like, holy shit, this actually works. I want more. And then I almost got a little bit too aggressive and injured myself a couple of times along the way. But, <laughs> you know, so it's like one thing you do got to be smart about. But the biggest factor for me was just honestly it turned into like a hobby almost because hmm. it, it's it's something that i would do like after work and it's almost like a gym routine like as soon as i fall into a routine and anything in life like i start building on it you know i see the momentum it's kind of like anything else like like let's say you go to the gym you start building your bench press and i don't know if you're power lifting and you start to add more weight you know, I don't know about you, but I got that addictive personality where it's like, oh, snap, like I'm seeing results, I'm seeing gains, like I just want more. And that's just, that's the same principle, like I said, that I applied from when I was a kid and I made, you know, muscular gains to like now I'm making gains here, you know, when it comes to male enhancement or, or, you know, obviously the enlargement side of things. And I mean, I just became addicted to that. Cause like for me, it's that just, the extreme thing you're saying. Yeah. Before. It's like, like just I'm, I'm just pushing it. it, like just more and more and more. So, I don't know. For me, it wasn't even validation anymore. It was just like, I was just addicted to the thing. And the thing is too, like, I realize this the older I get, it's like when I'm doing something that I like, regardless of like, I'm not really thinking about the end in mind so much. It's just kind of enjoying the journey. And I just started to enjoy the workouts themselves. Right. And it's almost mm-hmm. like I would get my dopamine fix from, you know, basically do getting the exercise in. So I just kind of, became addicted to that man like just enjoying the journey and then psychologically like it just kind of wired me to like yo you got to do this right so it's the same as the gym or same as any other routine where i just kind of got in a groove and i just made sure that i just kind of kept going and then i would just set new goals right it's kind of like okay i want to work on girth so i gotta you know do like the pumping exercise clamping whatever the case may be and then i just started again when i started to see results in that um regard i i just double down, man. I'm like, this is fun, you know? So as far as that kind of goes, like, you're right. It, it would be more gratifying if I was like a guy that was swinging, I guess, and, and you know, impressing everybody. But at the end of the day, I think what really got me more than anything was that I was just impressing myself. And that's hmm. where I kind of got that validation. I mean, it was internal, man. Like, if I was seeking that external validation, I'd be, I don't know, doing porn or something, I guess, you know, <laughs> just, you know, like, I don't know. I, I would be seeking it from somewhere else, but eventually it turned into a thing where I just enjoyed it for me. And even to this day, like when I do it, like I don't really think about anybody else. It's just something that I enjoy doing. Right. Yeah, it's interesting. It's like, it's like kind of a pure, you know, that that's like kind of how an artist approach, like an artist, a true artist approaches their art or something. It, it's just, uh, yeah, I guess an unexpected place, but I guess it could be any, any pursuit, any pursuit yeah. of mastery. 
if you will. I, I, I'm wondering because so one thing that I've been a little bit, I don't know, struggling, pondering is like I used to talk about sexuality and all these like things a lot, like things that I think now if if my kids were older, I'd be a little uncomfortable having them see what this, the type of stuff I used to post about. Not that I did anything trashy or, or anything, but like I was speaking about things that maybe I don't want to talk about with my kids when they're old yeah. enough. And I'm, your kids are already old enough. So I'm, I'm curious <laughs> if, if you guys talk about this, if they know what you talk about on your podcast and stuff. Oh, we'll joke around about it. I mean, the thing is, it's kind of like, I mean, my youngest, he has no idea, but my oldest, cause like he's 12, 13 now. And I'm like, he's chasing after girls and this, that. <laughs> so I'm just like, we'll joke around about it here and there. But it's almost like non-consequential. Like, I, I don't mm-hmm. know. We're pretty open about everything anyways. Like he was telling me about like the girls that he likes and this, that. So it, it's, I don't know. We're pretty, I'm, I kind of want to take the taboo out of it too. Cause when it comes to like a lot of men and what I've realized, like for a lot of guys, not so much for myself, but it's the erectile difficulties come from just like one of the biggest ones is obviously too much porn watching for a lot of guys. So I'm open about that with my kid. I'm like, whatever you do, don't watch porn. Like, that's absolute garbage. Like, you're really not going to gain anything from it, and it's going to fuck up your brain for life. So please do not watch that, right? And the other thing is just, like, I'm completely transparent with my son about everything else anyways. So it's like, when it comes to this or anything else, like, I, I just make it so he can come and talk to me about whatever it is. Like, like he'll yeah. ask me, like, yo, what does cocaine feel like? What is it, What is this like? And I'm just like, oh, you know, this, like, it's not worth it. And I'm like, this, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, and by the way, there's fentanyl now, so back in my day. <laughs> you know, I'm like, nowadays, people are dying. They're getting slumped, like, just from i don't know what they're doing but or the trank i guess is uh what unfortunately a lot of these people are taking but i just find that if you're completely transparent with your kids regardless of what the subject might be as taboo as it might be you know you make it in a way that's approachable it just becomes kind of funny you know we just kind of talk Mm -hmm. about it as a joke but i want to make sure my son's going to the world you know hard ready to go when the time (laughs) is right you know and make Uh sure they're optimized you know full performance but it just kind of comes down to being transparent with them and I'm transparent with them like in every regard. So this just kind of fell in yeah. line with that. It is kind of funny though, when you talk about it, you got to laugh. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. When I think about like, you know, these, you know, male, common male insecurities, common problems, you know, we create content like this usually to reach a young, younger, you know, this kind of stuff is usually for like younger men. Like I hope a 16 year old kid can listen and gain mm-hmm. something and maybe overcome some sort of pain or shame or issue that he can't, you know, learn about from his dad or, or something. So I guess it makes sense that your own children <laughs> should be like your yeah. first audience in a sense, if they want to yeah. hear it, you know? Well, that's just it. Cause it's kind of like, I think it'd be very hypocritical for me. It's kind of like, Oh, you know, I want to help other men, but it's like, oh, I don't, I don't want to start off at home because you know, this is taboo or this. Is... Mm-hmm. And I think when you get rid of that taboo factor too, and that's the other thing where, you know, I've been talking to other urologists and, you know, other people that work in the field of helping men, it just, if you treat it like, I mean, I make the joke that it's just like working out the bicep, man. You know, like it really is. The only thing is that obviously it's got different functions and it does different things. And there's other, there's a lot more factors that tie into, you know, penile health versus like just your bicep. But at the same time, if you just treat it like you're working out a muscle, you know, you take the taboo out of the fact that it's like, you know, it's your sex tool. It almost like then all that taboo just kind of falls away. And it's cool, too, because, like, I'm seeing a lot of urologists that talk about, like, how if we just kind of talk more about how pumping can be beneficial, per se, right? And it'll just help people to have a healthier sex life the older they get because, hey, you know what? They're not getting the same nocturnal erections they used to get when they were younger. If we just brought it to the light in a way where it's, like, it's not really, like, something dirty or something to be, like, oh, man, you know, you should have shame around it. Don't talk about it. It's your penis. It's kind of like... When you take all that away, it's just like, hey, I just want to make sure that I'm optimal the older I get. And the thing is, too, it also sheds light on a whole bunch of other issues. Like, I remember, I forgot who I was talking to, where he was telling me, oh, no, uh, Dr. Elliot Justin, he's the guy that created FirmTech. And FirmTech's a cock ring that will actually track your nocturnal erections. And those nocturnal erections will actually tell you if you are at risk for heart disease. Because if you have bad nocturnal erections, and let's say you're like 35, like our age, which is something that's like unfortunately happens more often than not and you don't have erectile difficulties it's like hey you may have some circulatory issues that may need looking you know somebody to look at at a deeper level just because like your heart's not functioning the way it should be like your heart's not pumping the blood that it should be in in the right way which means you have circulatory issues 
which means you should probably go see a doctor. And in just doing something like that, you can actually look into the fact that, hey, maybe this guy has like an early, early signs of heart disease and we can treat that before it gets any worse, right? So again, when it comes to like your dick health and the other thing, another one too is like diabetes, right? Like a lot of people will be like, oh, you know, you're not getting blood flow to your, your, your extremities, right? So your fingers, your toes, but what they don't realize too, a lot of these guys will be suffering from um, poor rectal quality, right? And again, if you're able to track that in a way that makes sense, you know, and we just use this as another tool in our toolbox to make sure that men can live optimal lives and why not? Right. And, mm -hmm. and that's where I think if we just kind of do away with the taboo of, oh, it's your dick, you know, and just kind of look at it as another marker that can tell us your story, I guess, as a man, then we can just use that to our advantage to live a life where you can be fully healthy, right? And optimize our health. So, <laughs> yeah. It's know, so interesting because, like, you know, the angle that I've always approached sexuality is like, it says so much about your inner psychology, right? Like, yeah. When I got, when I entered this realm, it was because I had, psychogenic erectile dysfunction. My body was healthy, but like I had all this anxiety, you know, maybe too much cortisol. It was affecting me in that way, which was kind of my entryway into actually a lot of spiritual things too. Um, yeah. but this is also very interesting. And I guess I'm at an age now where I should, maybe all guys our age should be looking into this too <laughs> yeah. of like, it does, it does actually say a lot about who you are. And, you know, back to the, the internal thing, it's like, whether people make fun of it or not, whether there's taboos around it, whether bro culture puts like a very not vulnerable crass spin on it. Mm -hmm. So much of our self-worth psychology identity as men is somehow related to our penis. And that's just how it is, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. But you know what the funny thing is, is it'll be like, you know, if you're talking about it in like a group of guys and it'd be like, hey, I'll bring it up, you know, or, or the case may be where it's happened multiple occasions where it's just like, oh, you're talking about what, man? I don't need that, man. I'm good. And when everybody leaves, it's like, yo, man, so uh, what was that <laughs> website you were talking about, man? Like, what was it called? <laughs> and, and I'm like, and that's kind of where, again, it's just the insecurity factor. But if you made it something like bodybuilding, per se, right, it's kind of like, you know, a guy would just come up to me and be like, bro, I want bigger arms. What do you recommend? You know, like, chin-ups good, pull-ups, like, what should I do? And I'll be like, oh, man, chin-ups, dips, whatever the case may be. You know, if we had that same approach to it as in like, hey, you know what? You want to make sure that you're in a good place, you know, sexually and you want to make sure your dick is functioning as best as it possibly can. For longer, it's like, yeah, you probably just jump in, use something like the bath mate or the exerciser, you know, 10 minutes when you take a shower, man, that's all it takes. And and I've had different urologists talk about how pumping can be extremely beneficial, right? But we just don't do it because like, haha, you know, that's, it's a joke, you know, it's, it's oh, like, oh, I'm not going to do that. It's stupid. I don't, I don't need it. And it's like, bro, you're 50 pounds overweight. You're already starting to show, you know, a whole bunch of different symptoms for a whole bunch of different diseases. You know, your, your diet isn't right. It, it ties into so many different things, but one of the biggest things that you'll see, oh, you know, again and again is just the fact that guys will start suffering from erectile difficulties. And that's usually the red flag that triggers them into saying like, okay, something's wrong with me from like a more global perspective when it comes to my body. And then it's like, yeah, your diet sucks. <laughs> you know, you're eating all this shitty food, you smoke or whatever, or you might do drugs or whatever the case may be. Drinking, drinking's huge, man. Like drinking is massively, like drinking beer is probably the most unmasculine thing you can do, like in my opinion. Just because of all like the shit that that stuff's loaded with and all the different, oh God, there was a chemical that was shown to have the same estrogenic factors yeah. as I think it was like BP. Oh God, man. I can't remember off the top of my head, but like you find that in beer and, and honestly, like the lifestyle that's sold to us from like a young age, like men drink beer. This I'm like, no man, like it's, yeah. it's not a good idea. Like I don't remember the water. chemical, but I, I did uh, see something like specifically hops. It's so like IPAs, yes. double IPAs, which I've always hated. So I felt a little validated. So I, was, <laughs> I always think it, it tastes like urine, but like, you know, a lot of people like that. And that's like the worst thing. Like the, the something in the hops itself mimics yeah. estrogen in your body. Super estrogenic where I'm like, wait a minute, why, why are we drinking this stuff? And again, that's kind of where, you know, I, I started with just like, you know, I, I want penis enlargement. I just want to make sure, you know, I can get bigger, stronger. But then you start to realize that there's all these different factors that play into like, making you smaller, having erectile difficulties, poor sexual performance. And that's kind of like, I guess the yin and yang, kind of the balance and the things that kind of, I guess, not, I want to say validate, you know, my research, but kind of like just makes me happy. It's like, I'm not crazy. So there, there's a lot more to it when it comes to like having, you know, your health in an optimal position and your penis will be a reflection of that, good or bad. 
right? And it's kind of like you'll see people with like, and again, like you'll see younger men where the penises are atrophying at a faster rate from all these different factors. And, you know, and that ties into that vulnerability piece again, where it's like, who do you really want to talk to about this stuff? Right. So that's kind of why I created the podcast just for people like, hey, you know what? There's different things that you can do out there. And even if you're a younger dude and you might require TRT just because you got really low test levels, like I don't judge anybody that goes on TRT unless he's going on stage or competing. And then I'm like, hey, bro, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> you know, because it's like, you know, like I don't like I'm not a fan of like influencers that are like 18 or like I'm on TRT because it's low. I'm like, you don't really need it yet. But, you know, now at my age where I'm at, like 35 and anybody over who might have like, again, who might be suffering from low tests or other hormonal like irregularities, like you should go see a doctor. You should get a panel of work done just to see where you're at, right? And again, I, a red flag is you just look at your sexual performance, man. You know, there's other contributing factors, of course, like sleep. And I would honestly go the natural route first. But if you're struggling, then you should definitely talk to somebody, right? And like, that's the whole purpose of the podcast that I started was just, I want people to be able to talk about this more openly and basically open their eyes to the fact that, hey, you know what? I'm not limited by these old school beliefs and that it's not taboo to talk about it. And there's a lot of people out there that can help you, right? Mm -hmm. Awesome, man. Well, I've been listening to your podcast. I I've already learned a lot of things. <laughs> it's actually kind of inspired me to look into it again. Like, uh, yeah, I did joke a little bit in college. My girlfriend at the time did notice something. And then I kind of just went in a different direction because I had other problems going on. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, if anyone wants to learn more about the specifics, techniques, do's and don'ts, they should definitely check out your podcast. And there's other other great information as well. Yeah. No, but I mean, yeah, no, if, if anybody wants to listen, I mean, we talk about that subject. But lately, it's kind of, it's a combination of different things, like more the mental side of things as well. Just because again, like to your point where a lot of guys might be suffer suffering from erectile difficulties and it might be something psychological. And a lot of times it's kind of like, hey, man, if your brain isn't functioning right, your mind is off, that's going to affect every other aspect of your life. So, hey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, in. sexuality, like looking again, like evolutionarily, it's like, it's like, like a peacock's feathers, right? Like if a mm -hmm. peacock is sick, it can't possibly have nice feathers, which is why the feathers are basically it's dick size, you know, in that world, right? It's like, I mean, it's not even just about size, but sexual, your body wants to share its surplus in sexuality. So it is mm -hmm. such a great marker of whether or not you have surplus. Cause if you're sick, if you're messed up in the head or in the body, yeah, your body's not going to want to make babies basically. No, no, not at all. Yeah. And it's kind of like, that's why a woman will always kind of still always look at that dude. who's like in shape, looks good. Hey man, chances are his dick probably works pretty well. Yeah. <laughs> Cool, man. Um, anything else uh, people should check out if they want to learn more from you? Oh, man, just check out the Mask and Health Solutions podcast, maskandhealthsolutions.com. And if you do want to get in shape, you know, that's what I do, fat loss. So, you know, just send me a DM on Instagram is where I'm at mm -hmm. more than anything. And just glad to work with people. And honestly, cool. when a lot of my clients obviously have come from the podcast, so they will ask me things. And I'm always down to talk about it, too. It's kind of like in our, in our check-in. So, again, mm -hmm. if you got any questions, though, just reach out and I'll send you a DM. Cool. Uh, are you still competing as a bodybuilder, by the way? Yeah, dude, just started cutting. Um, fuck, cool. yeah, I got like four months, January. It's The next one's May 11th. So, yeah, man, I just started like cutting right now. I think I brought my calories down to 1,800 calories right now. So, mm -hmm. again, just going to enjoy cardio, kind of ease into it. The 1,800 calories isn't that hard. When I started digging down to like the 1,200 range, then it gets dirty. But, yeah, no, it just started. Is there month, so. a last, last couple questions? I am curious, like. So you're an, you're an all natural thing. Natural, Is it, are there yeah. like age categories? Because I'd imagine your your tests must be lower than when you were 25. Well, for me right now, it's kind of like uh, I think for us, it's pretty much open. So that's like 18 to like 55, and then from 55 on, I think it's the masters class. So that's kind of the older dudes, and then um, it's just by different divisions. So there's open, then there's amateur or debit, which is like guys that it's like their first time ever doing a bodybuilding mm -hmm. show. And then, um, so yeah, amateur debit, and then there's open and then there's master class. And then, so right now I'm in the open. So we're competing with guys that are anywhere from 18 to like 55, but usually it's like 18 to 40. Probably, Can you get as big as when you were 25? You know what, man, when I was 25, all I was doing was bulking. So okay, I, the thing is, I, there's other contributing fact. I think the biggest one for me is just sleep. 
if I slept more, I think I'd probably be able to get to where I was when I was 25. But I do feel like it was easier for me to put on the muscle mass at 20 or it was easier for me to recover at 25. Yeah. A lot easier. But now I do feel like, yo, man, I got these, I'm not going to say old man joints, but I do feel a little bit more pain in my knee from like recovery and stuff. So I'm just like, okay, you know, it takes a little bit longer and I got a different healing modalities that I kind of got to take into consideration that I didn't really pay attention to before. I've been really frustrated with that, that it takes like two, like more than twice as long to recover compared <laughs> to some time ago. Like I just really messed up my shoulder going for, I was just trying to PR and dips. I wasn't even trying to do anything too crazy, oh, but like, I can't, I can't press anything. Anyway, this is a whole other <laughs> thing. Uh, not ready for TRT. I don't know if I would do that, but yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, there's stem cell therapy that you could look into. I yeah. just talked to a doctor about that and I was like, oh wow, that's kind of cool. And I think I was messing with peptides athletes. actually. I, I can't get them. Peptides I'm in Peru right now. But uh, I was taking BPC-157, and that oh, seemed nice. to help. And then I was taking a growth hormone precursor where that I, I forget the name of it, actually, but it really, I, it, was, it was like I was, it was like I was in my 20s again, as far as recovery. It was, it was great. Jeez. But, I mean, you know. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm thinking about it. I'm like, when I get out of like maybe bodybuilding, natural bodybuilding, I think maybe like in my 50s, I'll probably start like messing around with, well, I don't know, man. I I think about it a lot. I think the peptides, it's more of a precursor. It's not like an actual hormone, mm -hmm. right? So it's like, technically, I don't know where that really falls in, in our, in our league, right? So, cause if it's legit and it's like, I can just take it, I'm like, well, you know what? I don't mind, but I think peptides are illegal. So are SARMs. Yeah. I, I would, I would imagine they are. Yeah. So right. it's like, like the, the effect, especially the ones, anything that gives you a really like sharp effect, I'm sure. Anyways. Oh, yeah. I mean, if I was an Olympic athlete, I'd just hire a good doctor. And I'm like, let's go. <laughs> cool, man. Well, it's fun talking to you again. Let's stay in touch for sure. 100%, man. Definitely. Talk to you All next right. time, bro. Take it easy. All right, bye.